Welcome to the Endometriosis Nutritionist podcast. My name is Anna Marika Gerritsen, but call me AMG, and I'm a qualified nutritionist and I specialize in endometriosis. In this podcast, you will learn how what you eat and drink affects your endometriosis and how you can use your diet to take control over your symptoms. If you have endometriosis, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and make sure you download my free report, Five Things You Eat and Drink That Make Your Endometriosis Symptoms Worse. The link is in the show notes. Let's start this episode. Hello and welcome back to the Endometriosis Nutritionist podcast episode. 47 already oh my goodness and today I'm going to talk about something that I'm really excited about um every time my clients achieve the goal that they have for uh, working on their diet and using nutrition um I just get excited and in this case I want to talk to you about Shelly and Shelly um came to me at the end of 2021 and she just had one focus just one she wanted to get pregnant. Um, she was in her mid-30s and had endometriosis, including a cyst on one of her ovaries. And she also had some thyroid issues. Um, she was tired all the time. She had sort of pain in her chest and in her legs and thighs, um, dry, edgy skin and spotting. And she also said she was very moody around her period and uh, was very hard on her partner. Um, at that point, um, she was already uh, going through IVF. So that was going to be her approach to fertility um, and to try and fall pregnant. So she was really looking for ways to be as, as healthy um, as possible. Um, and in our initial consultation, we talked about her goals and her main symptoms. And then we looked at her diet. Um, she'd already done a food intolerance test, and that was really, really helpful. So we could look at some of the foods that she was reacting to. And she was um, reacting to some really normal, healthy foods like dairy, almonds, chickpeas, apples, which I'm also intolerant to, uh, chicken, uh, coconut, um, sesame seeds, uh, mushrooms, and green beans. Um, she was at that point in um, her IVF that her uh, next embryo transfer was going to come up soon. And I, uh, I have to stop you for a moment. I don't know if you can hear this, but my cat is sitting next to me and she has something to say. So if you hear a cat meowing, it's because she feels she has something to contribute. She's not an expert on anything really but always feels that she is, has a right to make herself heard. Um, oh, yeah, back to Shelley. Um, so Shelley's next embryo transfer was coming up uh, in, in a few weeks. And because inflammation affects implantation, we focused on uh, reducing that inflammation by removing foods that she was intolerant to. So we talked about um, those foods um, and then how to tweak her diet so that she um, did not ha have any of those foods in it. And some of them were actually very common in her diet, in particular chicken. Um, I also prescribed her a probiotic to help improve her gut microbiome. 
So then off she went and uh, tried very hard to stick to her diet. And she was absolutely, completely focused on getting this right. Um, and so in her next appointment, two weeks later, <clears throat> um, she said she was doing really well. So she was yeah, eating, all, had implemented a lot of things that I recommended, was eating a lot more um, fruit and vegetables, um, specifically berries. We, we were in summer, so that was, there were lots of berries around, so she ate a lot more of that. Uh, but she did find that if she ate fruit on an empty stomach, um, that gave her stomach pain. Now, it's never a very good idea to eat fruit on an empty stomach, just or just eat fruit by itself, because it really plays havoc with your blood sugar levels. Um, and she was also struggling to find alternatives to chicken. I mean, chicken was a really big part of her diet. So one of the things that I suggested was that perhaps try turkey. Um, but also she could look at eating more fish. Um, I also recommended that she would go for at least a couple of meat-free days uh, a week. Um, and if she was having fruits, to have some nuts and seeds to, to balance out her blood sugar level um, and to just not eat fruit on an empty stomach if that was giving her pain. Um, now, before I continue, a quick pause here. Um, I'll be telling... I'm talking about improving fertility through nutrition in very specific terms for Shelley. So the recommendations that I made are really specifically targeted to her um, situation and her health. Now, you may be wondering how this relates to your unique experience with um, endometriosis and, and fertility in particular. Or you may be unsure if taking a nutritional approach to fertility could be helpful for you. If that's the case, um, a free 30-minute endometriosis SOS call might be helpful. Um, and in it, we can discuss your endometriosis journey, your symptoms and goals, your fertility goals. And I will share with you what I do and how I work so that you can decide whether you want to use, um, look into nutrition as a way to improve your fertility. Uh, you will find the link to book this endometriosis SOS call in the show notes. Okay, back to the episode and back to Shelley because it got really good in her next appointment. Um, well, not her next appointment, but it started to get really good. Uh, so the next consultation was just after her embryo transfer. And that was that is also always a very tense time. Um, I've got I went through IVF myself and the, the two-week wait period after embryo transfer till you get the results um, were the worst um, that I've ever, the most stressful times I ever have experienced. So we talked a little bit about that and about what she can do to try and keep her mind over. She already had some strategies um, to try and not think about it too much. Um, we also talked about uh, what was working in terms of her diet. So um, she found that using eating fish instead of chicken uh, was a good option um, and the other thing and this uh, usually happens around the second follow-up session is um, she said she'd attended a birthday and ate some of the things she knew she shouldn't have um, and noticed immediately that it made it bloated um, so I'm, I'm always kind of happy when clients fall off the wagon a little bit um, because it just helps to discover and, and, and reinforce what 
their personal anti-inflammatory diet is doing for them. Um, and it makes it, it starts to create that skill of recognizing using the symptoms to recognize that you may have eaten something that is not right. Um, so that's okay. We talked about um, what that meant uh, and that it wasn't the end of the uh, end of the world. She um, she was quickly back to eating the way um, uh, we uh, you know we decided she was going to eat, um, and um, and then we then she off she went again. Uh, and then a couple of weeks later, I saw her again for a third appointment, and um, she was pregnant. That was so, I was so excited for her. She'd only just found out the week before. Um, and uh, she was, um, I had noticed because she had changed her appointment. I was wondering a little bit what might be going on, but she was um, just feeling very tired and um, a little bit nauseous. Um, but she was pregnant. Um, and it, we hadn't worked together for all that long, um, but there are a few things that I think may have helped her um, embryo implant properly. Um, first of all, she had this single-minded focus and made all the diet changes, except for the, the, the little thing, the little time moment uh, at the birthday that she was at. She just kept completely to the diet. Um, she The other thing, that was helpful she'd already been taken taking some of the supplements that i tend to uh, recommend um, when you going through an ivf process um, which uh, so and they are focused on improving um, egg quality in particular uh, so she had a bit of a head start but removing the food she was intolerant to and adding more foods especially fruit and vegetable and fish will have reduced her inflammation and inflammation is just not good for healthy implantation. So that would have definitely helped. So in that session, we, we just had to shift gears because now she was um, in a different state, if you like. Um, and instead of continuing to look at improving fertility, we now had to make sure that her first trimester was going as well as possible and that there's a lot that happens in the first trimester so it's important that you eat all the new get all the nutrients you need not just for you and instilling to to avoid inflammation but also to support um the, the the first 12 weeks of your embryo development because so much happens in that first 12 weeks um so um, we, we looked at what specific foods she needed to eat in her first trimester that were really going to be helpful. And we also talked a little bit about how to manage nausea. She felt nauseous. Um, it didn't really interfere much with um, her day-to-day -day activities, but she did definitely feel a strange nausea. Um, so she had morning sickness. Although morning sickness is a complete misnomer because you can be nauseous all throughout the day or in the evening. It doesn't really um, limit itself to the mornings. Um, so uh, so that was a part of that um, session. And her pregnancy is going really well. She is in her third. She just would have 
gotten to her third trimester. So uh, hopefully we'll have um, some news about a baby um, at some point soon. Um, so I wanted to share with you Shelley's story um, just I mean, I can't obviously say that um, the nutritional approach was definitely the thing that got her pregnant. Um, it would be nice if we could be that certain, but it will definitely have been a big um, contributor. The other thing that I think was really powerful for her here was the fact that it gave her something she could do. Um she wanted to make sure that there was nothing she had hadn't left any stone unturned to improve her chances of falling pregnant um, and nutrition is one of those things that you have complete control over you decide what you eat um, and so that was that in itself um, was very powerful it give, gave her something active to do um, now i want you to realize that what I've described today and the things that I recommended to Shelley were based on very her oh, on, on her unique health situation. They're not generic. Um, what I recommended for her, I may not recommend for someone else. Uh, what worked for her may not work for you. Um, and the other thing I want you to know is that a nutritional approach doesn't just work with IVF. It works. Um, it's it's a very important element if you're trying to fall pregnant naturally. Uh, some of the supplement recommendations will be different um, we'll, and will have an added focus on optimizing your ovulation. When you go through IVF, um, the IVF process manages the ovulation part very closely. So um, there's not lots that we need to do there. But when you try naturally, we definitely want to make sure that you uh, ovulate um, but there will be the same focus on reducing inflammation and improving egg quality. Um, so the reason I wanted to share um, this story with you and Shelley's experience is there is a lot you can do to improve your fertility if you have endometriosis. Yes, endometriosis affects your fertility, but it's it doesn't mean that you're infertile and there. And in this case, Shelley had endometriosis, thyroid issues, which also affect fertility, and she was uh, over 30. Um, so there were a few factors that were at play here. Um, so there is hope, and um, life is pretty bleak without hope. So that's why I wanted to share this story with you, um, to, to give you a sense of what might be possible. Right, that's it for this episode. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you'd like to find out more about how you can improve your fertility through nutrition, make sure you download my free report, Five Strategies to Improve Your Fertility Naturally If You Have Endometriosis. You can download it from the link in the show notes.